Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily, and this season we will be having a rotating roster of co-hosts. No matter who's sitting beside me in the hosting chair, we are still just two people trying to live our best diabetic lives. Every week we'll tackle a new topic from the diabetic perspective. Although we may offer tips and tricks, we are not medical professionals. However, we offer anecdotes and general thoughts on how to embrace a type 1 lifestyle on your own terms. It's not easy to do with all of the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here, and this week's special guest is none other than a fan fave, Miriam Brand. Hey, Miriam. Hey, glad to be back as always. And while we miss you, Christy, we are pumped to have Miriam here as well. And this week's episode, which um, Miriam as my unofficial diabetic older sister can discuss um <laughs> i love that title <laughs> elizabeth if you're listening you have a working pancreas so you're still my older sister don't worry um, <laughs> but we're we're gonna talk about traveling alone with diabetes and this is something that is very um much on my radar right now because i'm about to go on my first solo work trip to graceland <laughs> Um, to cover a wedding chapel there for work. Uh, Spoiler alert, if any of you follow the magazine I work for, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, whatevs. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be my first solo travel, like staying in a hotel alone uh, by myself. Um, Usually I have a twin sister with me. Shout out to Laura, you rock, don't ever change. But yeah, so for those of you that are diabetic and don't have a twin you're probably like oh I do this all the time this is chill or if you are also kind of a little bit of apprehensive uh, a little bit apprehensive about traveling alone this episode's for you um but yeah so Miriam you've traveled alone before right yes yes and so when you brought up this topic, I, I, I kind of told Emily beforehand, I have so many questions and thoughts, but I'm waiting for the podcast so we can have live reactions. <laughs> but for me, you know, traveling is, I'm an anxious traveler in general, same, but not same. necessarily because of diabetes. So that's why I'm very curious to kind of hear um, what particularly is making you anxious about this trip, which aspects, is it the preparation or is it the total logistics of traveling or is it being somewhere alone I kind of want to get a better sense of what is making you anxious um yeah you're not gonna charge me for the session right (laughs) this is completely pro bono so you're good (laughs) truly blessed um so I am I try I travel a lot with my family I went to school in Boston and I'm originally from Florida I'm kind of a pro at traveling, um, and I've traveled alone before in terms of actual logistics, like getting Mm -hmm. to the airport, going through security alone, boarding Mm -hmm. the plane, all that. But I always end up going to, you know, like, I end up being surrounded by people where I go. So, like, whether Mm -hmm. it was my dorm at Boston or, you know, I'm going to visit friends somewhere in a different city. So, for me, the anxiety, the most anxiety I have is centered around the fact that I'm going to be staying in a hotel room alone Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. of course my typical what if thoughts come in in terms of 
what if I have a really bad low blood sugar and I pass mm-hmm. out in my hotel room alone? Mm-hmm. Um, which I know as, you know, a diabetic of four years now, I know in reality there's typically, knock on wood, quite a few thresholds to reach before something like that would happen. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm super bionic and I have a Dexcom that will hopefully properly alert me and anyone else that I am dangerously low once mm-hmm. I get to a certain point. But things go wrong. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. As someone who is ridden with anxiety, um, most most of the time, not like most of the time, but like with a history of anxiety, adding diabetes on top of that history of anxiety is like a whole new playing field, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, Absolutely. Well, it gives us like more ammo. There's like more am- ammunition for like to fuel our anxiety because um, we have concrete things. It's like, oh, I was just generally anxious, but now I have specific things to be anxious about. And I, I think for anxious people, somehow having that like real problem to be anxious about is in a weird way sort of comforting um I think it sort of justifies (laughs) your anxiety better than like being anxious about these general bizarre things that possibly could happen in one some scenario um so the anxiety is valid obviously these are like real things to be worried about and be concerned about and I think what you're feeling is like so I don't want to say common, but I think for diabetics, it makes sense. It's like very relatable and that imagining, oh, this one time when I'm all alone in this hotel, that's the one time I'm going to have an unbelievably dangerous low. On a work trip, which would also be like super awkward and embarrassing on some level. (laughs) Yeah. And I, but I think, you know, what I do in those situations is I break it down so simply, like what are the odds? Just statistically what are the odds that you know that something will happen on that night you sleeping alone in that hotel what is making it different than you sleeping alone in your bedroom and you being alone in your bedroom while your twin sister is you know right next door in her room if you were having a dangerous slow would you even be coherent enough to yell or to really say something that would grab her attention any more so than your Dexcom Dexcom alarm would you know So I always try to break it down, like, what is this hotel night? What is really making this different than what it would be like at home? And listen, sometimes, like, forcing that reality on you or forcing these facts on you, that doesn't necessarily change the anxiety. Um, But I think it gives us more, you know, rational thought. Yeah, a different perspective. And you're more able to rationally think, okay, realistically, what are the odds that this would happen? Um, And I think, you know, obviously there's all sorts of anxiety management, you know, tips and tricks you can try, deep breathing, meditation, etc. But I think in this sort of situation, especially when it's diabetes related, for me, preparation is the best way to manage my anxiety. So if this is your specifically your biggest concern, like being alone in a hotel room, having a dangerous low, what are things you can put in place to prevent something from happening? And I think... You know, we're lucky. In this, yeah, we're lucky <laughs> in this day and age that we have the tools and the technology to have some sort of, you know, thresholds, as you mentioned. You know, you have your Dexcom, you have people sharing it, um, you know, the Dexcom share. So I think by making a list of people, you want to make sure have, you know, make sure their apps are active and, you know, connected to your Dexcom before you leave for your trip. Have all the low snacks next to your bed. Um, these are things that you can control and that you can do to prevent something from happening. Um, 
And I know for me, that really helps with the anxiety, just knowing I've prepared in every possible scenario. Right as we're in the middle of talking about Dexcom, mine buzzes because I just had two big chocolate squares without giving myself any insulin. So, yeah. LOL, I just went a little high. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, that happens. It, it alerted me. Yeah, it so alerted you. That in itself is telling me everything going to be fine. Yeah, but, and obviously – no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to be like – I have been a little uh, scorned lately by my G6 in terms of, listen, it's not perfect. I know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's technology. There's um, margin for error everywhere we go, which is what's so scary to think about a closed loop system. Whoa, I think I just said true. <laughs> a closed loop system um, with something that's obviously not perfect. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was last week. I don't, it was probably last weekend. Um, for those of you who follow us on Instagram, you might have seen my video. I very had a bad low, and I was like talking like I was drunk. A uh, story of my life with bad lows. But follow us at pancreas underscore pals to uh, to see day to day. But um, I had a bad low, and my Dexcom didn't catch it, and I had been feeling super woozy. And I thought I was just really dehydrated. So Dexcom was saying I was 95. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm killing it. Everything's great. <laughs> um, and I had a really bad headache. And I was like, okay, let me just keep chugging water. And it was like before dinner, like 30 minutes before I was going to have dinner or something. So I didn't want to eat anything. Um, and I didn't think I needed to because it said I was in the 90s. And fi- I didn't get the shakes like I normally do. Um, finally, I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like, I need to check my blood sugar. And I'd had, um, at this point, I had a little snack. And I was like, maybe I just need some protein or something. Mm-hmm. I had made myself a super low-carb smoothie. And I was like, screw it. I'll just have dinner later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had half a banana in it. So it was probably, okay. that was like all the grams of carbs. So it was like 15 grams of carbs. And this is a half hour later that I'm still feeling super woozy. Mm-hmm. And I finally checked my blood sugar. And I was like, I had just hit 60 mm-hmm. so I had been a lot lower before mm-hmm. that because it was 30 minutes after having the banana and I was like oh my god I've been burned by my Dexcom <laughs> like how could you do this to me my one true love and mm-hmm. so I mean it happens it but does. I was so and I think yeah yeah so you, it, it kind of shook your trust in the technology um and I think that's something that you know, obviously, this is a complete generalization. There's no stats behind this. But I do wonder if those of us who are like old fogies with the diabetes um, dealing with this before the technology, I do I do tend to trust my body more than I trust my Dexcom or even sometimes my meter. Like I'm convinced my meter is just not correct sometimes. Same, um, which is bad. But sometimes it's not correct. So. Sometimes it's off. Yeah, I'll do it yeah. twice in a row and it'll be like 30, you know, 30 numbers different. So... I think it was a lesson, um, and I can understand that, but always remember this is like, this is the exception, not the rule. This is I the I feel like anomaly. we're talking about, he's just not that into Exactly. You. Like, <laughs> this is the exception, not the rule. This is the an outlier, the anomaly. Um, Emily's anomaly. And, you know, all you can do is really prepare as best you can. I think... Well, I lost my train of thought, but oh, I remembered it. I know, at least for my body, and I think a lot of diabetics have this experience. But when I'm stressed, my blood sugar goes up. Um, so I think realistically, you know, this is more facts to add to your 
to your toolkit, but realistically, you'll probably be running higher that when you're traveling anyways, because travel is stressful, you're stressed about being alone, like, realistically, you'll probably be running higher anywho. Um, I actually, well, the actual logistics of traveling, mm-hmm. I always go low, but then when oh. I'm in the new place, like, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm working and running around and stressed, I'm sure I'll be a little bit higher and yeah. eating a lot of barbecue, because I'm going to Memphis, mm-hmm. so That's, I'm sure... Yeah. You'll be eating well. Yeah. And you're ha- this is all evidence. This is all stuff to show you, like, look, I've done this before. I know I go low when I'm in the airport or when I'm traveling, or I know this happens when I do this activity. And this is all stuff to use as evidence to kind of, you know, fuel how you want to manage the, the trip. Um, you have all of this experience, and it's not – you shouldn't be – kind of negating any of that you should be using it to your advantage to better understand how to prepare for something new or different god I should hire you <laughs> I mean I have if my uh if my therapist is listening she's actually type one and she's amazing and we talk about dealing with things like this so yeah, I have another type this. amazing type one uh medical professional in my life mental health medical professional in my <laughs> life but um yeah, I mean, this, these are all true things. And when I look at how far I've come, you know, just in the last four years, because I was diagnosed as a junior, it was the summer in between sophomore and junior year of college. So, I mean, I was 20. I went to, oh my God, now that I'm thinking about all these things, I'm like, wow. Okay, so I studied abroad in London, like six months after my diagnosis. I thought my parents were going to kill me. That's crazy. Like, that's amazing. And you did it. Two days after my diagnosis, I came up to New York Mm -hmm. um, for an internship at Marie Claire. So it was like, insane to me you know why because like ignorance is bliss in some sense you didn't know what to be nervous about or you didn't know to be concerned about all of these things so in some ways it was easier for you because you're just like whatever I guess this is this new thing I have to figure it out but like you didn't even know all the factors to be worried about so you were able to disconnect and just live your life you know very true it's a I don't know it's just it's a lot to think about oh for Um, sure but, like, also in a good way. I mean, to any listeners, once we post this episode, if you've had your fair share, definitely share it. But um, this kind of goes a little bit with wearing y- your medical alert ID. Like, there's steps that you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. I'm Which reminds so much- me, I, like, never wear mine. I should. Yeah, um, I am. If you're going to be a pancreas pal, you ha- that's, that's actually that's like not the rule. true. That's not true. <laughs> you I'm like alienating wear so well, many I, people. Listen, I wear my Apple Watch pretty much every single day unless it's like a special occasion. And I have it set um, thanks to Kendall, the sweet librarian on, on Instagram, if anyone follows her. But she showed me how to do it um, where my main watch face says like Miriam, my age, and says type 1 diabetic. So I like to think that, that like... your medical ID. Exactly. But there are really cute ones now. Listen, when I was like a little kid diagnosed, there was only one type of medical bracelet. It was like the clunky, thick, big chain. It was so ugly. <laughs> Mine was uglier than that. Emily's showing me <laughs> her bracelet right now. And hers is like somewhat dainty and cute. Mine was like really ugly. I'm um, sure it was amazing. So I think Let's, it traumatized me. Utilitarianism these, is in. These ugly bracelets. Person. And I remember mine 
maybe it was because I was so little and like couldn't figure it out, but like it it never came off. I I thought that you had to like take a chainsaw to cut it off my wrist. I oh my I God. swear to God, it was like stuck on my wrist forever. I did everything, slept, showered, like everything in that bracelet. Um, but now there's so many cute ones, and there's I something on Instagram popped up recently. It's like really dainty. There's like Lauren Shop ID. Maybe it's um, that. Like it's has. really. Pretty bracelets. Um, Aware causes. Highs. Yeah. You know what? My fiance was asking me what I wanted for my birthday. So maybe I'll say this. How well, sad. That's actually. Uh, yeah. No, I feel bad about that. I didn't mean to no, shame you no, into that being is, your no, birthday it's present. it's so true. But this is perfect for travel. Like you should. You should be wearing one of those. Um, what else do I do? I, I know for me, the most stressful part of traveling is actually the preparation and packing. So I literally, and I know a lot of diabetics do this. I, I sometimes I wonder if I'm doing it to too much, to, to an extreme, but I pack like seven times more supplies than I know I'll actually need. I do too. Um, cause there are times and I'm sure we've all had it for those of us who are on the pump where you put on a pump site and something's just like not right. It doesn't feel right or it's kinking, like something's just not good. So I pack like 800 pump sites enough for essentially every possible diabetic situation I pack syringes and these are this is all based on experience of trips I've been on where something went wrong and I didn't have what I needed so I actually happen to have like a backup pump one of my old insulin pumps that still technically works so I always travel with that pump um with some like two two sets basically or two sites that I would need um, on my old pump. I also always travel with syringes just in case. And I do too. What about Lantus? Mm-hmm. Do you bring Lantus in a Humalog or Novalog pen as well? I th- it depends. If I happen to have one in my fridge, I will. I try to always have Atlantis available just in case. Yeah. But then I then I kind of convince myself. I'm like, okay, so what are the odds that my current pump won't work, my backup pump won't work, and that I'll have to I'll have to be off a pump for long enough that I would need um, Atlantis in addition to just my Humalog. So that's that, true. That is like a maybe for me. Well, for me, my whole thing is, like, yeah, I play what are the odds game, but then yeah. I realize, like, the it's odds of being th- diagnosed when you're type 1, <laughs> with type 1 when you're 20 was also really low. So, so the, odds, the odds are never in your favor. I was like, uh, let me see, and I'm a twin, and there's yeah. just so many different things. Like, It's what are- true. And honestly, if it's something easy to throw in, like, at that point, throwing in one extra vial of an insulin, it's not going to add much to my... And the pens my, really aren't the bulky are like, at all. They're, they're bulky thin. and they're easy. So at that point, of it's not worth the anxiety. And that's kind of how I live most of my life. Like, if it's easy to add this thing in or to alter this one thing, it's not worth the anxiety to not do it. Um, so do whatever makes you feel content and comfortable and, and safer. Um, 100%. I'm all about it. I always travel with my glucagon, which is, like, the oh, most same. ironic thing because I never, ever carry it around with me. Are you in my serious? day-to-day life. No. Okay, so I think this is a huge difference between, like, people who were diagnosed as little kids mm-hmm. versus people who were diagnosed in later teens or early just, adulthood. Is this based on, like, your case study of people you've, you've just chatted people with? Just people I've chatted with, and I feel like I'm turning into the face of diabetes of, uh, <laughs> just in general, but also, like, when you, I feel like I've turned into the face of being diagnosed in your 20s, but um, I did this to myself, so I guess I welcome it. <laughs> um, but I don't go anywhere without my glucagon. I literally bring it upstairs to the gym with me and it's because well also now that I'm saying this out loud it's truly just because I'm neurotic but um and that's okay I mean my thing is like 
I don't want worst case scenario, something bad to happen and not to be prepared. Absolutely. But you, you're so in tune with your body. You're so used to, I guess, managing the disease. I mean, what, what are your, you just don't care anymore. Don't you don't need it. Like, I, I mean, I'm now I'm just, I feel like I'm like jinxing myself because I've said this, oh God, but I've I'm had sorry. this disease for 22 years. Never once have I needed a glucagon. Knock on wood. Um, knock on wood. And I do feel more comfortable now. Like, listen, this was the years before Dexcoms. The meters literally, I tell people this and they're like, what? It took 45 seconds for your meter to tell you what your blood sugar was. You put the drop of blood on and it would count down from 45. Like, it, things were just so slow and different there. And I feel like nowadays we have a Dexcom that's always monitoring you. And even though it's not super accurate... I do feel that the arrows are accurate. So you, if it's trending down, I do, I do tend to believe those arrows. So if yes. I have the Dexcom plus my gut of feeling like knowing how I feel and knowing like, okay, this is saying I'm 95, but I don't feel great. Um, I guess, I don't know. I don't think about it much, but I don't think that I need the glucagon. And then again, thinking like, through every scenario I'm like what are the odds someone I will pass out on the street and someone will even be able to figure out how to get that thing to work if you're wearing your medical ID oh the thing to work there's pictures there but is. yeah it does I it think, looks very and overwhelming I, I have read some articles they are trying to find a more glucagon that's more similar to like an, an EpiPen, EpiPen. and I the know that's in the works the problem is it's an unstable chemical when you exactly. combine it so it can't be free pre-mixed yeah. but that's what those, those scientists are working on which I think would be great but like it's a very complicated thing, and I know my like fiance or my family would be able to figure it out because they Your would know what the problem was. Your fiance is a doctor. I know, but I showed this to him. I was like, "Have you ever used this?" He was like, "I've never seen anything like that." I'm like, "That's because That's great. they probably just have to add it to the IV drip or something." No, or like the nurses hospital. do it. Like he doesn't yeah. have to do it. I get. Oh, who God. knows? Steven, brush up. You're you're becoming a missus. Seriously. You're the Mister Mister Diabetic now <laughs> to to your fiance's missus. But I know now. I'm like. I'm curious what the pals, we should do um, a little, after this episode posts, we should do one of those Instagram surveys, like, do you carry your glucagon, can't even speak, glucagon (laughs) around with you? I think, Um, yeah, no, I'm very interested to see, and I mean, we are a little skewed, we're, I think we have around 18% of our followers are men versus uh, the rest are female, so. That'd be intriguing, I would love to do like a full-blown study, like, how does how does your gender affect your perspective and like emotional wellness around diabetes? I feel like emotional intelligence, like um, current on The Bachelor. Yes. This is like on some level. I think like let me just say that wearing your medical ID, bringing your glucagon, these are not things that you have to do. So anyone no. who's listening and is either newly diagnosed, has been diagnosed for a long time, or is a caretaker, friend, loved one, whatever, mm-hmm. of someone who's type 1, and you're they don't do this, this is not the end of the world. Oh my gosh. These like, listen, just... even Emily and I don't agree. Like, I don't wear a bracelet or have a glucagon. Emily does, and it's, it's we're both fine. We're both thriving in our lives. So yeah, we're it's completely personal. Yeah, completely personal reference i mean these are just in my mind steps to help me manage my anxieties Mm -hmm. my parents anxieties like exactly there there are steps in a direction to make sure i'll be okay but it doesn't mean that that's going to necessarily save me in a situation it doesn't mean that it's a must-have so everyone manages their disease differently and at the end of the day we all have the same broken pancreases so (laughs) 
it's it is what it is and it is you know what it is. leave a comment let us know what you think about carrying a glucagon or a medical id i mean you you really i mine's become like a must-have accessory for me like mm-hmm. i just have had it on literally since i was diagnosed and i just like not, i just don't take it off i mean i'm sure if it fell off or if I forgot to take it off I wouldn't be like oh my god it's the end of the world but like it's just I just don't take it off so it mm-hmm. it's just not something it's I think there. about yeah um and I have a glucagon in every single one of my purses so because they accidentally wait this is actually a really fun story kind of to end the episode on if you will oh, it has nothing to do with it has to do with glucagon um so for those of you who are listening and don't know I am a fraternal twin uh Laura and I that means have the same birthday and as twins do and um (laughs) I am a type 1 diabetic Laura is not and I had to reorder I had to my glucagons expired like a year ago so the doctor put in a prescription for me at my local CVS here in New York and I kept calling and it like like a few days had gone by and they hadn't gotten any notifications Mm -hmm. that they had filled it so I called CVS and they were like, oh, we never got that prescription. And I was like, here we oh, go, yeah. the usual. So I call the doctor, my doctor back and mm-hmm. she's like, that's so weird. We definitely filled it, but we'll fill it again. Um, and I was like, okay, I believe you. Like CVS yeah. has burned me in the past, but so <laughs> have you. But like still, not her specifically, <laughs> just like the medical, the prescription people. Anyway, so I go, I finally get a notification that's been filled and I go to pick it up. And I'm like, oh, while I'm here, I'll be a good sister and I'll pick up my sister's prescriptions as well. So I pick up all the prescriptions and I'm like, what? What the hell did Laura get? Like, why does why is her stuff equally as heavy as Mm -hmm. mine? This never happens. So I come back to the apartment and I open up my (laughs) stuff and I realized when I took stuff out of the bag that Laura's prescription on her bag said two glucagons. And then I took mine out and mine said two glucagons so now yeah so now i have four glucagons which which is amazing because those guys are expensive i mean it is amazing and luckily it already hit my deductible at this point in the year perfect i was gonna Um, say i i I should rearrange that i always end up getting mine in january so i have to like pay they're like 165 they're They're ridiculous you killed it Um, nicely done but except for the fact of course me thinking oh my god this is so irresponsible could you imagine if they had given this to someone else who thought like maybe it was an elderly person or a caretaker that thought that they had to give this shot to oh, someone geez. and like my sister is not diabetic she should not be prescribed a glucagon that <laughs> you, would literally you think kill it her would, like raise red flags for the pharmacist being like why is this girl who has no other diabetic medications and they this? filled it they That's filled so it funny. and i'm so confused like to this day i'm like how did this get Listen, I know human error exists, and mm-hmm. I know things happen, and things get passed or overlooked, and things like that. But thank God <laughs> it was me who picked this up, and not like some other girl with the last name Goldman yeah. in the system, because that's like the Smith of Judaism, and like everyone would get a glucagon. <laughs> that's <laughs> so. amazing. Listen, I chalk this up to being a diabetic win. I always True. say we don't get many perks in this in this world, so when you get one, this is like nice you take it and run with it you have one for every purse i think cvs yes very (laughs) true so i have like my travel glucagon i have two for one for my winter purse and then two for my two summer purses it's great um 
but anyways, this has been another episode of Pancreas Pals. Oh, amazing. So be sure to continue tuning in, everyone, this season. We will be having a round of guests, and we have a big announcement at the end of the season as to who will be taking over as a co-host with me next season. Dun-dun-dun. I keep saying season like like five times. It feels like a competition show, like American Idol or something. Tune in next week. To Vote. find out who our next like Food Network star is, you know. Oh my god, like we that. could. I should have done like I should have let the Battle pals vote for uh, for the next uh, the next co-host. Oh my god, maybe we'll still throw that in, but then like plot twist, you have to listen to the episodes to know that this is a fake news situation. Um, but follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals, and we have a very full rest of the season. Um, we miss Christy, but not all is lost. And don't worry, guys, we're still going to be coming at you with a full I'm just repeating myself with a full season um it's gonna be good we've got special guests it'll be awesome I'm pumped oh my god yes long live the dad jokes all right have a great week everyone and be sure to follow our Instagram for latest updates and come back next week for more fun have a good one bye guys